Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. Welcome back to The Motivated Mind, a top 100 health podcast, thanks to each of you. This is episode 338, and I'm your host, Scott Lynch. Thanks so much for listening. If I've brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. I'm excited to announce a new opportunity to access additional valuable content every single month. Yes, you heard that right. Back in 2022, I decided to drop two episodes per week, and this year, I'm taking it up another notch and offering access to subscriber-only episodes. This exciting package features ad-free listening, Q&A-based episodes that are built off of your questions, and 24 exclusive bonus episodes per year. All of this is available to you for only $4.99 a month. Now, don't worry, I'm not putting up a paywall on my free two episodes per week that are currently going out. This is simply a value-packed additional offer for listeners interested in boosting their journey to growth and elevation through unlocking even more content each month. Your subscription directly supports the podcast and the content I create by making future shows possible. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe today. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. The skill of learning quickly is an invaluable one. It can open up career opportunities, give us a competitive edge in any field or industry, and help propel us towards success. And developing the right learning habits can allow us to meet our goals at an accelerated pace without burning out. What most fail to realize is that learning is a skill, but it's rarely taught. We're constantly trying to learn new things, but we never stop to ask ourselves, is this the best way I could be doing this? So 
How can we join the top 1% of fastest learners? Well, I've got nine research-based techniques. Number one, break it down with the 80-20 rule. The key idea behind the 80-20 rule is the recognition that many things in life are not distributed equally. In various situations, a small portion of factors, inputs, or efforts contribute to the majority of outcomes or results. This rule encourages us to identify the most impactful elements within a system or process and focus our attention, resources, and efforts on those elements. Because by doing so, we can optimize our results and achieve more with less effort. In other words, 80% of the results come from 20% of the inputs. So, if this is the case, before we start learning anything, we need to first identify the most impactful 20%, because it's this 20% that will allow us to make better decisions by recognizing where the majority of the impact lies, which means we can allocate our efforts and resources accordingly to achieve better outcomes. For example, let's say you want to master the guitar. You might find that mastering a handful of basic chords, the 20%, enables you to play a wide variety of songs, the 80%. Focusing on learning a few versatile chords can help you play many songs relatively quickly. Now, you can also apply the 80-20 rule to practice time. You might discover that dedicating 20% of your practice time to mastering specific techniques or challenging parts of a song can yield 80% of your overall improvement. And efficiently practicing these crucial aspects can accelerate your progress. All right, let's say you want to master a new language. A small percentage, around 20% of words and phrases, are used frequently in everyday communication, while the rest are less common. Focusing on mastering this essential vocabulary can significantly boost your ability to understand and express yourself. Similar to vocabulary, a small set of core grammar rules, the 20%, are foundational to constructing meaningful sentences. By grasping these rules, you can create a variety of sentences and communicate effectively. In both examples, the key takeaway is to identify the most essential elements that contribute to our progress and understanding. By focusing our efforts on these vital few aspects, we can maximize our learning efficiency and achieve a satisfactory level of proficiency in a shorter amount of time. Number two, use immersion to your advantage. Immersion is a powerful learning technique, and it involves surrounding ourselves with an environment that encourages and facilitates a skill or knowledge we're trying to acquire. It can significantly accelerate the learning process because it creates continuous exposure and practice contacts. For example, maybe you're trying to master Spanish. Well, moving to Spain is probably going to fast-track your progress. Now, sure, you might not want to take such a drastic approach. However, this immersion can be applied in other ways. You could engage in language exchange programs where you interact with native speakers who want to learn your language. This allows you to practice real-life conversations and at the same time, 
receive instant feedback. You could surround yourself with Spanish media, like movies, TV shows, podcasts, and music, because this exposure can help you become accustomed to natural language usage, accents, and informal expressions. Now, immersion can be used across the board with any skill acquisition. Learning to code? Start a project with friends who already know how to code. Learning guitar? Join a band. The idea is that we put ourselves in an environment that promotes learning. Now, there are a few other powerful byproducts of immersion. Firstly, it increases neural activity, meaning immersion in a new environment or skill demands the brain to process novel sensory inputs and cognitive challenges, which triggers the release of neurotransmitters such as dopamine, which plays a role in motivation and reinforcement of learning. Secondly, synaptic plasticity. This involves the strengthening or weakening of synapses or connections between neurons. Continuous exposure to new information, whether in language learning or skill acquisition, promotes the formation of new synapses and strengthens existing ones. Lastly, immersion means we also experience dependent plasticity. This is when our brain structure and connectivity adapt to the specific experiences it encounters. Immersion exposes the brain to a wide range of stimuli and situations, leading to experience-dependent plasticity. For instance, practicing a musical instrument in a band setting or conversing in a new language engages unique brain circuits. This process collectively contributes to enhanced learning, skill acquisition, and adaptability of the brain to new environments and challenges. Number three, learn from multiple sources at once. Our brain is the most complex machine that's ever existed. And that complex machine comes with millions of parts, if you will. And these parts all need to work together because the better they work together, the more powerful the overall machine. If we can get more parts of our brain firing, we will be more likely to remember what we're studying. So, how can we accomplish this? By leveraging what's called the Learning Pyramid. Developed by the National Training Laboratory, it breaks down into seven sections. And those seven sections are split into two main sections. From the top down, passive learning and active learning. Starting with passive learning are things like lecture accounting for 5% of our retention, reading, accounting for 10% of our retention, audio and visual, accounting for 20% of our retention, and demonstration, accounting for 30% of our retention. Things captured within active learning are things like discussion, accounting for 50% of our retention, practice doing, accounting for 75% of our retention, and lastly, teaching others, accounting for 90% of our retention. So now that we actually have a pyramid that isn't a Ponzi scheme or the horrible direction of the food pyramid we were taught as a child, we should experiment with different ways of stimulating our brain, different mediums that fall within the learning pyramid. Number four, test yourself. Sure, putting information into our brain is good for learning. But recalling information from our brain is even better for learning. See, 
when we test ourselves by recalling information from our memory, we engage in active retrieval. This is more effective than simply reviewing the material passively. When we actively recall information, we're strengthening the neural pathways associated with that information, making it easier to retrieve in the future. It's this retrieval practice that also enhances the process of memory consolidation. Each time we recall information, we are essentially rehearsing it, which helps move that information from short-term memory to more stable long-term memory storage. This makes it more likely that we'll retain the information over the long term. Now, regular testing spaced over time, known as space repetition, is also highly effective for long-term retention. When we test ourselves on the same material multiple times with increasing intervals between tests, we reinforce the memory traces, making them more resistant to forgetting. In summary, we should test our knowledge early and often. This also helps us identify weak points that we can come back to and target later. Speaking of joining the top 1% of fastest learners, Notion can be a great platform for hosting and organizing our knowledge, giving us a competitive edge. Notion combines your notes and docs into one space that's simple, beautifully designed, and with the power of AI built right inside. Now, y'all know that I'm a huge proponent of efficiency, workflows, and saving time. You know, our most precious asset. Well, for the last couple of months, I've been learning how to use Notion AI. And I have to say, I'm thoroughly impressed. Sure, there are many AI tools out there that are fun to play around with, but when it comes to something I can actually plug into my workflow and use routinely, Notion AI is the one that really helps me save time in my day-to-day -day work. Notion AI helps you work faster, write better, and think bigger, doing tasks that normally take you hours in just seconds. Try Notion AI for free when you go to notion.com motivated. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash motivated to try out the incredible power of Notion AI today. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Try Notion AI for free right now at notion.com slash motivated. Number five, dedicate 20 hours of focus learning. Screw the 10,000 hour rule. Studies show that we can become proficient at something in as little as 20 hours. Yep, 20 hours. But what's critical is how we use that 20 hours. One of my favorite TED Talks by Josh Kaufman back in 2013 breaks this 20 hour rule down really well. The idea behind the 20-hour rule is that we can make significant progress in acquiring a new skill by devoting 20 hours of focus and deliberate practice to it. It focuses on reaching a level of competence and proficiency that most people would find satisfying and rewarding. So, to get started, break down the skill you want to learn into smaller, manageable parts. This helps us identify the key components that will have the most impact on our performance. By focusing on these essential elements first, we can make more significant strides in a shorter amount of time. 
Next, learn enough to self-correct. Before we start practicing, gather a few resources like books or online tutorials to learn the basics of the skill. However, don't get stuck in endless learning without actually practicing. The goal is to gain enough knowledge to identify and correct our mistakes as we practice, which helps us improve more efficiently. Then, remove barriers to practice. This is where we eliminate distractions that can prevent us from devoting time to practice. These distractions might include watching too much television, spending too much time on social media, or procrastinating on other activities. When we remove these obstacles, we have more time and focus to dedicate to our skill development. Lastly, commit to 20 hours of practice. We should set aside dedicated time for practice, making a commitment to invest at least 20 hours of focus effort. This could be 45 minutes a day for a month or any other schedule that suits us. By sticking to the schedule, we push through the initial frustration and resistance that often accompanies learning something new. The key to success with the 20-hour rule is deliberate practice. Deliberate practice is a focused and structured approach that involves breaking down complex skills, setting specific goals, and concentrating on improving our weaknesses. It's not about mindlessly repeating the same action, but rather actively engaging with a skill and seeking opportunities to correct and refine our performance. What we need to remember is that the 20-hour rule is not about becoming an expert overnight. It's building a solid foundation and gaining competence in a reasonable amount of time. It's an approach that encourages us to embrace the learning process and enjoy the journey of acquiring new abilities. Number six, handwriting over typing. Some of you might be thinking, um, this is subjective. <clears throat> wrong. This is completely objective. Research shows that retention rates improve when we pick the pen and paper over the mouse and keyboard. And this is for a few reasons. Firstly, handwriting involves more cognitive effort compared to typing because it requires us to form each letter manually. This deeper processing has been linked to better encoding of information in memory. When we write by hand, we're more likely to think about the content and rephrase it in our own words, which helps with comprehension and retention. Secondly, fine motor movements. Handwriting engages fine motor skills and coordination, creating a kinesthetic connection between our brain and the physical act of writing. This tactile experience contributes to better memory retention because it creates a more multi-sensory and interactive learning process. Lastly, slower pace. Handwriting is generally slower than typing. This can be an advantage because it forces us to process and summarize information on the fly, focusing on the most important points. It also encourages active engagement with the content, which leads to better understanding and memory consolidation. And to be clear, pen and paper doesn't mean that digital tools have no benefits. Typing can be faster and more efficient for certain tasks, and digital notes offer searchability and easy organization. However, 
When it comes to deeply understanding and retaining complex information, research suggests that handwriting can be a more efficient approach. So slam that laptop shut, grab a slice of paper, and start slinging those thoughts down. Number seven, distributed practice over cramming. Distributed practice, also known as the spacing effect, is a learning strategy that involves spacing out our study sessions over time rather than cramming all at once. This approach has been shown to be more effective for long-term retention of information compared to cramming, even if cramming might help us get through a short test or exam. So, how does distributed practice work? Instead of studying intensively for a few hours in one day, we spread our study sessions over multiple days or weeks. For example, if you're preparing for, say, a calculus exam, you might study a little bit each day or a few times a week leading up to the exam. The key is to have optimal time gaps between study sessions. This means revisiting the material at gradually increasing intervals. For example, we might review the material the next day, then a few days later, then a week later, and so on. This repetition at spaced intervals strengthens our memory over time because when we space out our learning, our brain has more opportunities to consolidate the information into long-term memory. Each time we review the material, our brain strengthens the neural connections associated with that information, making it easier to recall in the future. Spaced repetition is like teaching our brain to optimize learning. As we review material, our brain becomes better at predicting when it needs to revisit that information, which leads to efficient learning and better recall. Number eight, avoid all-nighters. Memory is consolidated when we sleep. This is the process by which memories are strengthened and stabilized in the brain. During the day, our brain processes a vast amount of information, but not all of that immediately encodes into long-term memory. And this encoding occurs during sleep, allowing the brain to transform recently acquired information into more stable and durable memories. Now, the process of memory solidification mainly happens during a specific stage of sleep, known as slow-wave sleep or deep sleep, which is part of the non-REM, aka rapid eye movement sleep cycle. Non-REM sleep is divided into several stages, with the deep sleep occurring in stages 3 and 4. This is the period when brain activity slows down and the brain enters a state of slow, synchronized electrical waves. And during slow wave sleep, the brain replays and strengthens memories that were formed during the day. It is believed that this replaying of memories helps to reinforce neural connections and transfer information from the hippocampus, a brain region involved in memory formation, to the neocortex, the outer layer of the brain responsible for long-term memory storage. The consolidation of memories during deep sleep is essential for various aspects of learning and memory, such as facts and events and skills and habits. Studies have shown that individuals who get sufficient deep sleep tend to perform better in memory-related tasks. So avoid those all-night Netflix binges to give your brain the best chances of cementing your knowledge. 
Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive into how to join the top 1% of fastest learners. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening. The Motivated Mind is a legacy division.